cliffcentral.com. How's it going? First show of May. Thanks for joining me. I am Ben Karpinski. You're listening to The Bounce Show here on cliffcentral.com or if you're listening via podcast, whichever way you do it, hello and thank you for joining me. So a big weekend of sports as always. Uh, football's looking so good right now. There is so much happening with the leagues culminating towards the glory or the failure, whichever team you support. I'm sure you understand which one is you. So today, no guest. I've got, I just got too much to wrap up. I've got so many different things to get through. There's so many different things I want to share with you today. And, uh, well, by the time Alan Ford and his other team eventually pissed off out of here, I, I mean, uh, I'm sure as you know, through Cliff Central, this shows throughout the day, right? So I am after the show called The Unview. And uh, it's a fantastic thing. If you're into showbiz, if you're into general amazing life, as Alan would, would put it out, well, listen to that prior to the show every Thursday. If you're not into that, well, here we are. Let's get into the sport, shall we? Rugby as well, super rugby. It's coming a bit more unpredictable, which is a really good thing, I guess, uh, as certain teams get sort of uh, tested squad-wise or in the case of the Stormers, also go on tours that are near impossible to play on. There's quite a lot of cricket to get through because India are finally, I don't know, karma setting in, maybe? <laughs> That's a different kind of discussion. But yeah, there's some wranglings as far as who's in control of cricket, uh, who's getting a big piece of the pie again, because you remember it went to IC3, and uh, now it looks like it's going to be more evenly distributed. Uh, even some baseball news, hey? Yep, there's a South African guy playing baseball in the major league over there. We'll chat about that. We'll get into some tennis news. There's, of course, um, David Beckham's birthday to talk about. I mean, uh, I read something on my blog this week, um, the balance of CZA, of course, about him actually just being like the greatest sporting icon of all time. It's slightly tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time, David Beckham is actually incredible. He really is. And uh, I think we should actually start off with him today. Uh, I've got a whole bunch of things that I try to keep track of. So forgive me if the show kind of feels a little bit disjointed today. It's just that I'm trying to cram so much sport into an hour. So let's start with David Beckham, right? Opening song today was Jungle. With busy earning. Yeah, good timing that was. So let's start with David Beckham. He is 42 years old, right? So if you go onto my site, you'll see a, uh, a blog post, 42 reasons why David Beckham is the greatest ever. And uh, there are just so many genuine, serious reasons why this guy was so amazing for sport. But he's always been a really good uh, good sport off the field as well, as far as interviews are concerned. Uh, he is just such a, a massive icon, and he really is such a massive celebrity. So, of course, when you're a massive celebrity in England, you go on the Graham Norton show. That's one of the many things that you do. And, uh, well, he's been on quite a few times because there was um, his hairstyles, obviously his high-profile celebrity wife, um, Posh Spice. Uh, I think that's a real name, and <laughs> very other reasons. So here he is talking hairstyles with Graham Norton, and he's had a few over the years. Thing, I think you're a man. Like you're not Rachel from Friends, and yet, whatever you do to your hair, it becomes a thing. Yeah, it does. Believe it or not. Yeah. So do you? <laughs> Some do of you, them have been really bad. Yeah. So do you? Do you think ahead? Do you kind of no, go? Oh, I don't. No, I don't. There's certain ones that I've just done just off the cuff. So there's no shame in some of them before any of the hipsters were doing it. I'm not ashamed it. of any of them. Well, you should be ashamed of some of them. 
pictures were doing it, you had the top knot. There you go. Lovely. Uh, that's almost a practical that's thing. That's not though. bad. Yeah. yeah, no, it's fine. That's it's fine. Bad. This one, okay, what was going on here? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was maybe a bad decision. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bad timing as well because I was actually going to uh, South Africa at the time with England um, and I ended up meeting uh, Nelson Mandela. I know you did. And the, and the pictures. <laughs> That's why, that's why I regret that. <laughs> there are other reasons, but uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. And then the maddest one, the most on David Beckham look, I think, is this one. Because <laughs> that doesn't seem like you at all. Big smiley face there. Yeah, I do appreciate the fact you need some visuals with this. But yeah, he's talking about cornrows and mohawks. I don't. I was asked to shave it off when I first did it. I was, I was sat in the uh, changing room and I had a hat on at the time because Sir Alex Ferguson hadn't seen it. Um, so obviously that was interesting when I took my hat off and uh, we had an hour before the kickoff and he said uh, go and shave it off really? uh, which I said no at first and then I saw his face change very quickly so I went and shaved it off in the uh, in the toilet <laughs> so actually, would Alex Ferguson would actually... yeah you can catch the full clip on the, the blog post for the show I've got another famous Dave that's just popped into the studio Dave Levinson he's uh, equally good looking which is quite it's something that's actually plagued Dave because He's trying to be an offbeat comedian his whole life, but he's got the looks of David Beckham too. <laughs> oh, thank you very much, Ben. Yo, Dave, welcome to it. This is the Bounce Show. It's oh, is this what it is? Well, I did ask you before, and you said I'll, I'll introduce you. Yeah, so I've so, just learned that. So, Dave, I do a show here every week. I know you do a show here every week. The guest comedy we show. A, we, we now call the Just Now Comedy Podcast. Well, that's that's going to alienate listeners, isn't it? When's it start? Just now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dave, we we bounce out of here on Fridays at about ten. Now, Dave, you're quite a lot older than me, but. There's, Am I really? But uh, obviously, Dave, Dave, David Beckham touched your life as well. <laughs> you reckon he was the big, is the best, the most incredible sporting icon of the modern era? Is that is that what you do? Are you doing kind of icons finding the top, the tops? No, I'm talking about sport. That in dude, I watched that man the other night, um, Ronaldo. I don't, and maybe his hair's also a bit weird. Now he's got like a sort of highlighted orangey. Maybe he's trying to match that statue. You remember you had the orange statue. Dude, you're the, like the worst guest ever. I, I bring you in here. <laughs> I to found talk Ronaldo. About David I, I would say Ronaldo over David Beckham. Hairstyle. He's, he's not married to anyone famous. He has a child with someone, but not a married. sperm donor kind of. Well, no, no. But he's he's more sporting wise. The man is incredible, and people don't like him. And I thought you'd love to have him in your team. That's how you consider sports, sporting. Dave, icon. I just said is, but like he's more of an icon because you got to go off the field too. Uh, of David Beckham. Okay, That's off the I'm field saying, was Victoria. Yeah. wasn't really him. I don't think he had anything to do with it. She just said, I'll show you how to do this. Come with me. You're so, right, icon-wise, he was like, okay. Oh, oh, where but must beca- I be? because of him, where she, must I because stand? Of him she stayed Vicky, relevant. Vicky, where must I stand? Can I stand over here? <laughs> but she stayed relevant long after her, her fame screen. because of him. So, that was a combined do you thing. Think Those Tom, power couples, sort of Jay-Z and, and Do you Beyonce. think Tom Cruise would have cared about Victoria Beckham unless she was married to David Beckham? Is Tom Cruise phoning Victoria Beckham? No, but he, Tom Cruise welcomed them to LA with this whole oh, like see. party. He hosted no, the party. He tried to, to get them into the Scientology. Beckham. Yeah, also that. Maybe it was a, like a welcome package. <laughs> welcome to LA. You guys are f- considered freaks now. Now, well, here are some, some pamphlets, <laughs> some leaflets, and a cake. Okay, so the color of. Sporting kind of, icons, um, Urton Senna. Yeah. Just on, on another note. Who who won the, the game between the the UJ All Stars? Uh, the, the UJ All Stars, the, the University All Stars, and, and and the Young Bockies. The Young, young Bockies killed them in the end. Really, it was quite tight at half time. The Young Bockies then ran away with it. Because of why? Because they're better coached. They just have better 
probably better understanding of better players all round, fitter. greater squad depth. Um, Dave, I do not want to talk about junior rugby at the moment. No, that's I just had an argument with someone. I said like any any dream team that you choose from university rugby is never going to work. Probably not. They don't have the time to play this. Okay, yes. Yeah, so sporting argument, Dave Beckham. Dave, I just literally wanted you to get in, get in here and just <laughs> Do you gush, know what happens? gush about got, the got, greatness of Dave oh, Beckham. Sorry, I love Dave Beckham. There we go. That's uh, all I many, really wanted. I've many a time touched myself. But I, I liked um, the ginger spice, whatever her name was. Jerry. Mm. I think it was Jerry. <laughs> I, I don't know. I like Jerry more than David. All right, Dave. I look forward to listening to your show on Friday. Because this <laughs> yes, is so going we're pre-recording good. it now. Listen, this is The Bounce, and I'm Dave Levinson, and I listen the to The Bounce show. The Bounce show with Ben Kopinski every day. <laughs> You can use that in, in, in your promos. Yeah, I won't, but thanks. I, I can, you're right. Well, you're equally as handsome. Oh, thank you. As Dave. an armadillo. Sheepers. Okay. Right, so that's David Levinson. And, uh, back to the show. Yeah, so David Bacon was 42nd birthday. And, uh, yeah, he, he really has done so much football. And, uh, if you go onto YouTube and you find, like, his old goals, Jeepers, that guy was actually, like, some of those free kicks, because, Prior to David Beckham, right? A free kick was like a guy who could maybe boot it really hard was kind of thrown in there. Uh, Roberto Carlos was also quite a bit like a, a free kick kind of specialist. But Beckham glamorized the free kick. He really did. And it became such a thing that I think drew more people into the game. And this is the whole, my whole conversation until Dave Levinson uh, derailed it is that when you look at sporting icons, it's not as always about like who's the best on the field because as many people could say, you know, Beckham couldn't tackle, um, you know, his technical passing wasn't that great, but he had an amazing ability to crosses, uh, from set piece things. The guy was without, without peer. But in my understanding is, uh, you can disagree with me if you like, but sporting icon is someone who just brings people to sport and he makes the sports go to another level. And there's no doubt about it. I mean, Beckham's boots became so iconic because of his whole free kick prowess and people then started to get a lot of interest into boots. I mean, look how the, the football boot has evolved around David Beckham's time. That has something to do with him. I mean, people pull the piss out of the whole hairstyles thing. Again, he brought glamour and he brought something to the game, which definitely made it better. Um, footballers in general became a lot more stylish because of David Beckham. And, uh, I mean, there was even a, a time in, a, I think it was Staffordshire University, you could actually study a 12-week David Beckham um like diploma or something the guy really was something quite special so it was his birthday on monday i think it was so um yeah that's david beckham uh should get back to some real sports shall we uh, of course last night was the champions league so champions league football is such a major deal and uh we're down to the semi-finals so real madrid uh ronaldo scored another hat trick um i think it's the seventh in all champions league football right now of course he was the first guy to get to 100 goals in the champions league something he did uh, the round before this, so, uh, round the quarterfinals. And, uh, just on song the whole time, this dude. And it is because he just works so bloody hard, you know, like a whole thing about great players are glamorized and they're seen as the glory boys, but this guy trains and he works and he does just everything harder than anyone else. And that is why he's always fit and he's always firing, you know, you don't see these flimsy injuries coming in. You'll see maybe with lesser players. The guy is just strong and he's focused and he's scoring goals. So Real took a three-goal advantage after the first league against Atletico Madrid. And then last night's Juventus. Oh, what a story they are. People criticize Juventus for not really playing any tough opposition getting into the knockout stages of the Champions League. And then, well, they said, okay, screw that. Um, they went ahead and then obviously beat Barcelona quite handsomely. It was 3-0 at home and then 0-0 away. It is, I think, six clean sheets in a row now for Buffon, and they've only conceded two goals in this entire Champions League campaign. So they're all vying for a final, which is going to be played in Wales this year. 
And uh, after last night's uh, Juventus beat Monaco 2-0 in Monaco, so they take a nice advantage over into the second leg. So it's kind of looking Real Madrid versus Juventus, and what a final that is going to be. Um, and what a final for Paul Pogba. You just think, he's watching that. Um, there's this great tweet that I retweeted this morning of him in his Man United uh, jersey watching Higuain score in the semi-final. Because, of course, he left, uh, he left Juventus for that record fee last year to try, you know, to take his career to the next level at Man United. Man United is a team that literally are struggling, doing whatever they can to even try to get into Champions League football next year. Of course, there was none of it this year. They're in the Europa Cup, so they're playing Salta Vigo tonight in the semis. But that team is so injury-ravaged that they're really going to just... Oh, it'll be luck. It'll be luck, nothing else, I think. They get some through at this stage. So Champions League, speaking of which... Uh, we all know Arsenal coming through their trials and tribulations in the last few years. We all know because of Arsenal fan TV that, um, well, the fans are kind of really upset about this whole Wenger thing. And it's just getting to a point now where people were joking in the beginning. They were arguing in the beginning. But now it's just, it's beyond a joke. It's um, depression starting to set in. And, uh, well, this year, like, there's actual violence happening as well. <laughs> I'll get to that in a second. But if Arsenal do not make the Champions League, okay, so that's just, people go on about the Champions League and how incredible it is, blah, 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 blah. But it, it is just the biggest thing, right? So if Arsenal do not get in the Champions League, I can conservatively estimate that that means that it's 45 million pounds will not go to that club. So normally what happens is they get into the Champions League because they always finish in the top four, right? So that's something that Wenger's done. Well, throughout his entire career at Arsenal. Uh, I think it's been every single year he's done that, right? Uh, sorry, 19 straight seasons. Wenger has ensured Champions League football for Arsenal, which has made the board really happy. And that's why the board has kind of uh, retained him. Everything's been fine. So if they don't make it this time around, so that's 45 million pounds that won't go into the coffers. 45 million pounds. That is so ginormous because you get massive money for TV revenue and obviously for winning games, staying in the tournament. So the further you go in the tournament, the more money you make. And that is why Real Madrid is so completely, hugely wealthy. So Arsenal don't get in the top four, which pretty much isn't going to happen. If you look at the way the logs stand right now, obviously Chelsea are four points clear. Spurs, they're going to finish seconds, pretty much guaranteed. Uh, second at absolute worst, barring any sort of disasters, I, I, which I can't see happening. Anyway, that's not good that we've been through it again. Um, Liverpool are looking pretty good for that third spot, which means that Man City and Man United are going to fight it out for the fourth spot. Arsenal are even too far behind Man United, I think. Uh, the two of actually playing this weekend, but we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, so we're looking at 45 million taken away. So you say, okay, cool, but they'll still play in the Europa League, right? Well, if you break down the money from there, even if Arsenal go on to win the Europa League, okay, now this means that they have to actually bring the business in European playoffs, which isn't exactly something that they've been too proud of over the years. So in order to try to recoup the £45 million loss of being in the Champions League, if they win the Europa League, they'll only make £27 million. Kind of stacks up here when you start realizing how important Champions League football is. So you can understand why Wenger is suddenly looking like Prince Philip. He's just aged so much in the last uh, last few seasons. But most importantly, after that loss to Spurs, the questions have become a little bit uh, closer to home for him. He walked out of a press conference because people were asking him, you know, are Spurs now a better side? Have they overtaken you? Have they made greater strides? Blah, blah, blah. And he is not keen to answer the questions. He's just not keen to have it, I guess. And it must be relentless from all sides because the results speak for themselves. We all know they're going through a tough time right now. But then when people start asking the questions that really kind of hurt and he doesn't have an answer to it and that is why these questions hurt it's like 
you know, if you are found guilty of something, which he is, he's guilty of, of poor performance, of the club going backwards. It is going backwards. There's no other way to describe it. And that is why he's finding it so difficult right now. But just speaking on Arsenal before we get into the league stuff. Now, you know, Arsenal fan TV is something that I, I've, I've played a lot in the last sort of two years. I haven't played as much nowadays because, well, it's kind of predictable, right? Everybody wants Arsene Wenger out, blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's, 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 it's excessive. Sorry, falling over myself here. But over the weekend, there was some violence outside of the stadium between Arsenal fans. Now, you know Robbie. Robbie's the big dude who is Arsenal fan TV, right? Well, he got sort of approached and manhandled by some other Arsenal fans who were claiming that Arsenal fan TV is a massive embarrassment and you guys must just get lost. The guys are getting ripped for wearing makeup on camera. It gets messy, actually. So there's a there's a clip and with someone who has no idea how to operate a camera. Ugh, anyway, it's so frustrating. Um, there's proper fighting going on outside of White Hot Lane over the weekend, and Robbie got taken out of there. He realised it wasn't a place to be setting around, but there has been massive divisions in the club as far as people actually hate Arsenal fan TV. They really do. Some guys get really stuck in. And then this other guy comes out with like this brave hard speech, which I found really enjoyable. This guy. Take a fucking view. They're not acting like dickheads. Why are we? Why are we? Why are we? Why are we acting like fucking dickheads? They're not. Why are we? That club is us. That club is a reflection of us. Whether you're banging out or banging that is our club. Don't fight, don't fight. So Robbie was then taken away by the police because then Spurs fans were getting uh, like racially abusive with him. Um, yeah, it was a mess. And then Robbie then had like his own talk season. But when they return back with the new stadium, they've assured me that there's a lot of changes being made that should those problems should be eradicated in the future. You're not going to have that bottleneck there no more, they said. Um, and they also said that, you know, they feel that it's going to be a completely different experience when you go to White Hart Lane. Like, Robbie's a bit of a rambler, I must say, but uh, the crux of the story is there that he was racially abused verbally and then Arsenal fans themselves sort of like actually fighting with the dude and there's people who are pro-Robbie and pro-Arsenal fan TV and those are guys against them. Anyway, fist started to fly and uh, the sort of subtotal is that, um, strangely, Spurs were then all apologetic, saying, you know, we don't want to see violence like us outside of our stadium. We really apologize. We're looking to up our security. And uh, when they build the, the new stadium, basically, so White Hot Lane, as you know, this was the last North London derby. Um, the stadium is going to be scrapped. The new one's already being built next door. And uh, Spurs have assured Arsenal, uh, Arsenal fans and Robbie, of course, because now he's like, you know, celeb, that everything will be safer going forward. But oh, it's just dire for Arsenal, is it not? Anyway, so they're looking good. Uh, Chelsea's still flying high, okay? So they won over the weekend. They beat Everton 3-0, which is a huge result for them because Everton are pretty handy. With Lukaku up front, they've been very, very good. 
But they kind of just, you know, flexed the muscles a bit. Spurs beating Arsenal 2-0 at home. Arsenal just looked like they were never in that game. They were holding on at best, which is really, really depressing if you're an Arsenal fan, which I must say I still am. Uh, so that's going to look down and dusty when you think about it. There's no ways that um, Chelsea are going to lose twice, right? They've got some pretty easy matches rolling in, so it's not going to happen. Uh, Spurs still have to play Man United, and they have to win absolutely everything, and then hope, just hope, that Chelsea will cock it up. And Chelsea have got like three home games too. So that's kind of that all done and dusted. But locally in the league, there's some really exciting stuff on the go at the moment. It's kind of, you know, there was the four-horse race that was Chiefs, Cape Town City, Vitz, Sundowns, but it's kind of come back to just being Vitz and Sundowns. Now, they played each other last week, and uh, Vitz got a really good 1-0 victory over Sundowns. So they're currently on top of the of the log here, which is very encouraging for them. But um, remember Tabang, who uh, would come in here and do the football uh, features. Well, Tabang on his blog um, has created a really, really great blog post, which I retweeted yesterday and found it on my feed, basically going through the different elements that um, as to why Sundowns have got the inside track here. They've got a better squad. They've obviously got more composure at the stage of the game. But he, he goes on at length, and it's really, really good. Uh, it comes out that Sundowns very much are the favorites to win this thing. But if you look at the fixtures for this weekend, we could kind of see this league being done and dusted right now, beginning the first weekend of, um, first proper weekend of May. Because Thursday tonight, Sundowns will take on Platinum Stars at six o'clock. Vitz take on Pirates 7.30, right? Vitz with a t- tougher game there, definitely for sure. And then on Sunday, we see Pirates then hosting Sundowns at three and then Vitz hosting Marysburg United at three. So there's two crucial matches there. Technically speaking, it could be a six-point swing. It could be neck and neck. Who knows? But bloody exciting. So even though the English Premier League is pretty much done and dusted, the PSL right here in South Africa is looking very, 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 very good. Right, so that's kind of football. Um, yeah, as I say, Champions League is looking great. Juventus versus Real Madrid final. That's pretty much what it's looking like. But now we must focus our attentions on um, Gift and Gope. Now, <laughs> Americans, I love them. Uh, I, I think most of their sports are complete crap. They're very boring. Uh, basketball makes a lot of technical sense. Baseball's all over the place. Uh, NFL is also very difficult to kind of you know, get next to because it's also long-winded. So go on to baseball. And our gift, he um, he's one of those classic sort of uh, sort of rags to riches tales, right? Now he sort of grew up in um, now Randburg is an area of Johannesburg, and some people do play baseball up here. So there is a baseball club and Gift grew up at the club. He literally grew up there with his mother and his brother. Um, and he really, he just wanted to go and be in the, in the big time. So through some local funding, he got a few opportunities and being the champion that he is, he stuck it out and he got over there to America and he was actually signed to this team for eight years, but only now did he get his full on run on debut. And only now has he actually really managed to, um, sort of realize his dream. And, uh, of course, the Americans were making a bit of a thing out of it. So here's Gift after his um, victorious uh, debut. His team did win on the day as well. Well, we've seen history all week. Dovidas never asked us earlier in the week. And Gift and Gope tonight, he is standing by with Robbie Inzbikowski. Rob, what a day it was for Gift and Gope and the country of Africa as he makes... It's a continent dipshit, but yeah, <laughs> carry on. His big league debut, the first player in the history of Major League Baseball to ever do it. And fittingly, it ends with you turning the double play to end the game, Gift. How do you describe this this day that began with flight delays and ended with you helping get a win? I mean, I was a little bit nervous out there. Um, 
I mean, being here in the big stage uh, in the show, my my emotions and you know, it's I was overwhelmed by everything that that happened tonight. I said the continent of South Africa. I meant the country of South Africa, the continent of Africa. You're the first yeah. to ever do it. Good save. What does it mean now that you finally did it? What's going through your mind? We finally have someone from Africa that made it to the big leagues. Um, you know, representing my country, my continent, being here. I mean, them pushing me every, each and every single day is awesome. Um, support and love from them. Earlier today, you said that you gave yourself 20 minutes of silence and thought, and you thought about your mom. Did she come to your mind tonight? And if so, what were you thinking about? My mom's always with me. Um, she's watching me from heaven, just, you know, guiding me each and every single day. Um, she's, she's always been a positive person in my life, and she supported me and loved me each and every single day. We had a shot of Francisco Cervelli and Josh Harrison. They were doing this to you. Had their hand over your heart to see how heavy he was beaten. What were you thinking at that moment? At that moment, I was, it's real. That, that's, that's it. It's, it's happening. How about to get your first big league hit in your first big league plate appearance? Uh, how do you react to that? I and mean, what's your thought as you're standing on first base and Kamar Barti gives you a hug? I, I almost cried. Um, KB, Princey, they've, they've been through me through uh, the system since day one. And having them here is, you know, it's just a great moment for me. Gift, congratulations. Thank you very much. Fans, viewers, how about it for Gift and Gope? Yeah, it's, it's a really, really great story. I know people that go on about the fact, oh, you know, it's these cliches and that kind of stuff. But there is nothing better than seeing guys who have kind of nothing to start with like really nothing and this when i say nothing i'm not saying it because he comes from a disadvantaged background i'm saying that baseball is not a sport here in south africa it just simply isn't so he doesn't have like a school structure where he can be you know hone his skills at he hasn't got like idols or kind of mentors he can look up to and relate to he had nothing really absolutely nothing other than just love for baseball so to see him up there it's it's one of those really really great stories and sadly, his uh, his mother passed away during the process, so she never got to see him realize his dream like he did over the weekend. But she was there, as you, as you said, throughout the whole process. So, you know, if there's any more stories around Gift, I'll definitely bring them to you. I just think it's one of those the things that we must all kind of look at and say, you know, this is exactly what people need more of in life. Because all those kids, when they want to play sport and do things, and they think, well, shit, i got no money. Um, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, Stuff does not get in the way when you really know you can do something. Which brings me into the halftime show, halftime section of the show this week. Um, like, as you probably know, I've, I've been doing this, um, this website, The Bounce, since 2009, late 2009. I wanted to get into sports and I wanted to get into just doing, like, living a sort of dream, so to speak. Again, it's like, you know, pipe dream of creating sport content and that's all I do in life. I don't have to go to stupid meetings where I have to sit in front teams of, like, brainstorming crap creative jobs or whatever i just want to do my thing and i want to do it in sports and i want to like live this great sporting life while still obviously making a living and um it's something for good or bad that i've kind of persisted with and it's now 2017 so that's what eight years and count well coming up to eight years obviously so i've been wanting to kind of take my content further and find out what it is that that can happen and what i can do uh, and then obviously you keep thinking about all the things you can't do because, you know, resources come into mind. Like I want to get a lot more sort of, um, official content, but cameras and great cameras that cost a fortune, which I can't afford at the moment. And, uh, while I was doing this, Brent Lindeque has also got a show here on Cliff Central called The Good Things, uh, The Good Things Guy. I think it's called He's just, he's a good things guy, right? Uh, and he was telling me how he went over to India and he got really inspired by these, uh, these vloggers and he told me about this guy called Casey Neistat. And, um, 
since that day, since Monday we had this chat, I've gone to YouTube and I've been watching this Casey Neistat stuff. Like, I, I'm at the point now where I'm thinking about actually just canceling Netflix. I'm just going to watch this guy's stuff on YouTube. It is that good. So I'm just going to play like a video that he made about doing things that's, you know, he's got this great video called Do What You Can't. So I know it's kind of a taking a bit of a, a escape from the sporting side of things, but just getting back to that gift story about the fact that if he told anyone growing up he's going to be a baseball player in the, in the major leagues of America, everyone obviously would have laughed at him for various reasons, right? And they would have said, you can't do that. And look what he's doing. He is doing that. So I might not play this whole clip because it's quite long. But Casey Neistat is such an amazing inspiration if you're doing anything online as far as creating content and just doing amazing things. And, uh, yeah, if you on YouTube, find this guy, watch his stuff. It is just incredible. This is him on a helicopter to start with. To the haters, the doubters, my seventh grade vice principal, to everyone who's ever told anyone with a dream they can't, this video's for you. Keep your head down, follow the rules, do as you're told, play it safe, wait your turn, ask permission, learn to compromise. This is terrible advice. If I were to write an autobiography, a book about my life, one title that would work would be Do What You Can't, because that idea encapsulates everything I've ever done. Like when I wanted to move to New York City and my dad was like, you can't, you don't have any money. Or when I first said I wanted to make movies and it was, you can't, you didn't go to film school. I want to have a TV show, you can't, Casey, you're not pretty enough. And to go even further, like if I were to characterize what this new generation of content creators and filmmakers, what, what we all do on YouTube and everywhere else is we do what we can't. You can't be an action movie filmmaker, but you get your parkour friends to dress up like video game characters, jump off some buildings, and you can. Right, Devin? Yes. You can't have a talk show, but you have a webcam and you can. What's up, you beautiful bastards? What? This is my first YouTube video ever. Next thing you know, you're interviewing the president. I heard that you're going to be out of a job soon. Well, maybe I'll start a YouTube show That's or something That's what I'm like thinking. That. You can't fly around New York City on a magic carpet, but you get your electric skateboards and PVC pipe, a great outfit, give Jesse a call, and you can. What do you think? Uh, uh, this is gonna be so dope. You don't need gear, you don't need trucks or a crane, you don't need some big expensive camera rig that never works. When you're a creator, you don't need someone in your ear telling you what you can and can't do. I'm racing the subway! What you can and can't say. I accidentally did the shocker, oh my god. They call us gamers, influencers, internet famous. What the fuck does that mean? But we know something they don't. You can start a vlog or a makeup channel. Or travel around the world with a gigantic piano playing it in beautiful places for interested people. When you're a creator, all you need is your phone, an internet connection, and a good idea. A story you want to share. Something you need to say. Confidence is within yourself. And then the rest is history. So you get the idea, right? Wow, there's just so much amazing stuff this guy's created. And he's done it all with a base of 0.0. 
it's so so cool and uh another reason i'm bringing it up is that i really want to create more visual content so from here on i'm going to create more visual content obviously to go with the blog obviously to go with the podcast and uh as again i'm always open to ideas anything you guys want to see just email me ben at the bounce today so I did warn you today's show is going to be slightly disjointed. So we'll just get back to, get back to the actual sport of things. Um, well, I, I've just, I've got so many different like influences right now hanging around. Um, so many great inspirational things I just want to share with you, but I just got to try to package it properly because there is just so much that you can do because you can do it. Exactly. That's the whole thing. <laughs> okay. No idea that's going to get so inspirational. So, uh, golf. There's a, I read something on my blog this week about the fact that, um, you know, golf in the Olympics. It's a great idea, right? But how sustainable is it? Uh, what's the interest going to be? Is it going to go past Tokyo 2020? Rio was, well, it was a, I think it was a success. As a golfing tournament goes, watching Stenson and Rose fights out at the end, it was really great. But, I mean, if it was maybe like Bradley Dredge versus, um, a Dilson de Silva at the end there, people really wouldn't care, you know? Um, no respect, disrespect to those guys. They're both good golfers. So I reckon, and it's something that I'd, I'm sure you would agree with that. You think of Olympic sports, right? Now, someone made a really good joke the other day that, of course, Phelps has more medals than Bolt. If Bolt could also get a medal for running backwards or jumping on one leg, he would win that as well. And that's the point being that there's so many different disciplines per different sports, right? So if you think athletics, there's various ways you can make uh, a success and get a gold medal. In swimming, there's various disciplines that you can do. Why can't golf be the same? And obviously what I mean is the long drive championships, right? Now take, for instance, a guy like Joe Miller, who is currently the world long drive champ. This guy is a proper athlete. He is a proper athlete in more ways than kind of conventionally speaking in sport, right? So long drive is obviously very focused, but it's no different to javelin or shot put. You're looking to push something out at a big distance. Joe Miller make up the distance without that same clubhead. He has to hit this in the center of the club face, which at that speed is very challenging. 215 ball speed. Apex looks pretty good. Does he get it in the center of the club face? Yes, he does. And he gets oh, the bounce. Oh, he had the big bounce. He gets the bounce. Wow. That's a flat flight for him. And there it is. 376 yards at sea level, okay? So in order to hit a golf ball 376 yards at sea level, you, in my opinion, are Olympic quality. This is amazing. And as a spectator sport, this is the greatest thing that you could add to the Olympics. Now, the Olympics are always trying to stay relevant, right? They're actually fighting to stay relevant. It's something that they may even openly admit nowadays. So if you think about it this way, right? You've got golf in the Olympics. It's going to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, if they stay with the same format, okay? So it's a very conventional and that's how it works. But what if you had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? That is your long drive component. So suddenly you've got all the eyes of the golfing world on the long drive guys and it's doing great things for the sport. Trust me. Everybody wants to grip it and rip it. You go to driving range. Look how many people are practicing their putting or their chipping. They're not. They've got the big dog out and they're looking for it to eat all day. You throw the long drive guys in as like a precursor to the actual Olympic stroke play gold. Amazing. Golf will stay in the Olympics. Golf will be incredible. Just, it's such a no-brainer. It really is. And just think, like, the sport of long drive golf, okay, it's already quite a big thing. Like, you know, Joe's got this massive uh, belt because he's the world champion. Imagine these guys are fighting for the Olympic championship. So the Olympic gold medal, the amount of money that would come into the sport, the amount of interest that would go into the sport, it would be such a win. And every single Olympics would be better off for it. So there's that idea. 
it's pretty plain and simple. Speaking of golfing innovations, it was the Zurich Classic last week, and it was a two-man team event, which was eventually won by Cameron Smith and Jonas Blixt. Now, Smith is like this young Australian guy, looks about 13. He has now got a two-year exemption to the US PGA Tour, which he didn't ordinarily have. He now gets to play in the Players' Championship. Uh, he got a million dollars. His life just completely changed. Um, Jonas Blix is his third title, but he said this one means the most because uh, it just meant so much to the team. And it was just so cool, again, to see golf seen in a different light. To take it even further, this week on the European Tour is the Super Sixes, the Golf Sixes. So not Super Sixes. Uh, the Golf Sixes is being played in England, right? So now what that is, it's just two days. So we've got 32 players made up of 16 teams. So there's two-man teams again, right? Uh, there'll be 16 different countries at play here. They're all playing for a million euros. So there's big money involved here. It's being played at the Centurion Club uh, in St. Albans, which is just kind of outside London. So it's a pretty simple format. There's teams go against each other. Uh, there's points for winning a hole. At the end, the most points win, and you progress to rounds. So there's like a little pool play, and then you get into the knockout stages. So it's as easy as that. This will take place over the weekend so that'll be 6th and 7th of May so that is essentially Friday or Saturday and it's just another attempt for golf to become more user friendly more entertaining and they got some big names here so this isn't just some stupid exhibition match with some club pros there's some proper European tour pros that are playing in this event this week and it's going to be really really exciting because it's like stadium seating so they're making sure every hole is going to be a big feature because there's only 6 holes right there isn't a whole golf course here they've made 6 different golf holes and there'll be all the matches will take place over that. So they're going to be quick, no mess, no fuss. Very, very exciting. Um, speaking of exciting as well, this week we'll also see Dustin Johnson return to the PGA Tour. He'll be playing at the Wells Fargo, which will be your conventional 72-hole stroke play tournament. So um, as you know, I, I love golf podcasts. Um, there's just so many good ones out there. Um, and the guys from Barstool Sports. Now, Barstool Sports is started off with a couple of guys in a sports blog, right? Um, they then kind of made big money because they've got, they built a platform that is so incredible, so comprehensive, so popular that they sold it essentially, or they sold, um, a big chunk of it to this huge company. So these guys made big money overnight, right? But they haven't changed any of it because their whole thing was we will sell. You guys can corporatize what we do here as far as monetizing it, but we're not going to change a second. So these guys swear they do everything normal guys do. And they haven't corporatized one bit, right? But they're doing amazing things. So it's for golf, um, F-O-R-E golf, uh, part of the Barstool Sports um, offerings. Now, okay, the, the podcast aside, there was a really great point that they brought up um, on the last podcast I listened to is that if you've got a very boring tour event on on the on the tour you, whether it be pga tour or the european tour and you're looking to get more bang for your sponsorship money then maybe it is like this is the way forward you make your you make your your, your event a team event or some sort of format um shake up people get more excited about it you obviously get more out of your event so we might go to the point where stroke play events are going to become, I wouldn't say, I mean, obviously never obsolete because that's how the majors are played. That's how all the big tournaments will always be played. But it would be so great to see that, like, in a month, we could maybe have two team events, two stroke play events, and I could really match up like that. Because it also just puts different players into a different sort of profile as well. Like this Cameron Smith guy. I mean, who the hell was he? No one knows. Got into this event... Um, Brooks Kepka, who knew he had a brother? Well, he's got one. He's a talented kid and he could go really far in golf because that's the whole thing is that you, 
as a PGA Tour member can invite a guest to play in this whole Zero Classic thing. Um, it's just, it's really great and just shows that golf is being progressive. It is taking the sport in the right places and I'm all for it. On to some crickets. Uh, the ICC, right? So basically India hold claim to the fact that they think they own 70% of the cricketing world. Kind of can't really argue with them because I don't know the figures, but we look at the IPL and you look at just generally the population of India, what this team does, what the revenue they get, TV rights, all that kind of stuff. They are a big deal. No doubting they are the biggest country in world cricket. No doubt about that whatsoever. You've got a, one of the biggest countries in the world. I think they're like, what, top three or their second biggest. And their main sport is cricket. Cool. That's going to mean a lot of cricket influence. But 70% and then they believe that the revenue stream must be delete, divvied out according to that. Well, England and Australia were all for it because they also got a big piece of the pie. Hence, knowing the IC3 came together through this whole um, agreement, which left other countries basically just fighting for crumbs. So, that also also meant nothing really for the associate nations. You know, everyone's talking about globalizing the game, but the associate nations were kind of being left out here as far as money's concerned. So the ICC have come together. Um, they've grown a bit of a backbone, mostly because a lot of the Indian, like, really dodgy people seem to have fallen away a bit, which is a good thing. Obviously talking about Srinivasan and some of the others. So there's a new bill that's kind of been passed. I think it was 22 to 1 votes in favor of the fact that cricket should become uh, fairer, more consistent as far as who gets what money wise. The one person, the one, <laughs> the one country voted against it. Obviously it was India. So India would get really upset about this. So they were threatening to boycott the ICC champions trophy. Um, they were saying that there's no ways that they should get such a small chunk of the pie because they're such a big, big player. Uh, but I think it's all kind of simmering down just a bit. Like India Sullivan actually named their squad for the ICC championship, which is everyone else has done. Um, but it's all going to level out. But the thing is, it's like a big power struggle I think needed to happen. And some things have been shaken up. Of course, it won't mean much of a difference for South African fans. I think their, their chunk in the pie is still the same. The important part here is that the associate nations are going to get more, uh, they get more exposure, more opportunities, and they'll only mean good things. Uh, in the cricket news, it seems that Wayne Parnell is in a spot of difficulty at the moment. He's been doing pretty well playing for his county side. Now, this is important. It's important that you do well for your county side this year because Champions Trophy is going to be in England, right? Wayne Parnell is a piece of that. He is part of that one-day team. He's most likely going to become an opening bowler slash lower-order batsman with some abilities, right? So um, it's also the whole massive SA tour of England where there's going to be ODIs, uh, T20s, and, of course, the very big test series. So he left the field um, recently t- suffering from chest pains. It turns out that he's got an irregular heartbeat and he is still in hospital under, under supervision. So it's nothing new. He's had this before. He had to leave the field uh, when SAA played India A and he had some complications. Now, it's not like life or death at the moment, uh, but he does have an irregular heartbeat. So, I mean, his pulse rate was through the roof when he left the field the other day. Uh, even though he was then examined and he felt much better, he wasn't allowed to go back onto the field because they really wanted to examine him. Like there's certain things you just don't mess with and your heart is very much one of those things. So I kind of, and people always you know, do knock Wayne Parnell, but I still always believe I've got this feeling that he is going to do something amazing for SA cricket at some stage for a sustainable period. I'm not talking about like 
a stray four wickets here and there. I think the guy does have talent. I think he's been managed quite badly. There's a lot of expectation upon him. And he never got a chance to develop his game because he was always in the, like the international fray where he either wasn't playing or he was trying to find his feet and it didn't do much for his confidence. So you kind of feel in the last year, he's got more game time. He's a bit more mature, but more going for him. So I just hope that this is, um, nothing too serious and nothing that's going to be really, um, what's the word? Compromise him going forward. So we're going to finish off with some rugby. Um, wow. Yeah. Look, if you're a Stormers fan, you know what I'm going through right now. <laughs> you know what we're all going through right now. They started their New Zealand tour. They got hammered by Crusaders. Then they played the Highlanders. And they got completely hammered again. So 57 points back-to-back weeks. This weekend, they take on, yep, the Hurricanes, who aren't just capable of scoring 57 points against any team. They're capable of scoring 57 points this weekend because, well, sure, why not? These guys are really, really good. But it was just the way that the Stormers are losing right now, which is kind of depressing. Five out from the line. The Highlanders on the back of a dubious a lot of the tries from what I'm gathering are coming from the outside backs as well. So as dynamic as Chase and Colby is, Dylan Lades are, um, SB Murray, defensively you get these massive sort of um, South Sea Islanders running at them. And these guys are getting through tackles. Even when they're getting tackled, the offloads these guys are creating lead to tries. Easy indeed, and it's just showing the South Africans up a lot. So much so that people are now calling that JP Peterson has to play for the box now. You know, we need big outside backs. Can't really argue with that, hey? As much as I, I love the, the skilled guys, you know, the little guy doing something in, in world rugby, but when you think, you know, outside back, you've got to be taking high balls. You've got to be tackling these guys while they're running at you at pace. You know, it's one thing making tackles around the fringes, but if a guy's already got five meters to get up ahead of steam, you need to pack a punch, tackle-wise. You need to be in the 100-kilogram vicinity. And that's what these New Zealanders are. And they're so big and so strong. Now, that offload, basically, he ran into three guys, put his arm through the tackle, held on while they were trying to tackle him, and then he offloaded with ease. And those tries just kept coming over and over and over. So it's got to be difficult for Robbie Flake to look at it and go, how are we going to counter this as a team? Do we have the players? Okay, we don't have the players. What are we going to do? What's our plan B? And it's a tough week to have a plan B when the Hurricanes are your team, your opposition. So we're into round 11, right? I think the, the weekend's um, fixture is a lot more predictable than in previous weeks. Uh, we've got like the good teams against the, the sort of lesser teams now. So Friday, Hurricanes versus the Stormers. That'll be 9.35 South African time tomorrow morning, Friday morning. Can't see the Stormers, A, winning that, or B, getting it down to, what, a 30-point deficit? That's what the bookies are saying, right? So every week, um, I go into World Sport Betting, and I get the odds of that to see what the kind of percentage call is. Um, sorry, I take it back. They've actually got it quite conservative. They reckon Hurricanes by 23 on that one. Cheetahs versus the Highlanders. The Highlanders obviously just smashed the Stormers, but now they've made the trick over to SA playing against Cheetah's team that were looking really good at times against the Crusaders last week. But unfortunately, Crusaders are just relentless. Now they've made it uh, yeah, unbeaten. They just keep going on and on and on. So Cheetah's Friday night versus the Highlanders at 7 o'clock. Look for the Highlanders there by about 13. 
yeah, no chance to choose to win that one. Again, small outside backs. They were shown up against Crusaders and same will happen here. Saturday we'll see the Rebels who are, well, they're shite, aren't they? I mean, they got absolutely hammered by the Kings. Not saying the Kings aren't great. The Kings are showing great, great progress actually, but the Rebels are not a good side. They just come back from SA tour and, uh, they'll take on the, the Lions at seven o'clock, um, Saturday morning. Look for the Lions to win that one by about 15. Then we've got the Waratahs versus the Blues. Waratahs won last week, but against a Reds team that are pretty average. Uh, it was uh, it was entertaining because the two teams were quite evenly matched, but the level of Aussie rugby right now is pretty low. So Waratahs versus Blues, 11.45 SA time on Saturday. Look for the Blues to win that one by about 7 or 8. And then afternoon games in South Africa, Saturday. Sharks versus the Force at 5 past 3. Sharks should be too good for them by about 15, I reckon. Then the Bulls take on the Crusaders. The Bulls had a bye last week. They haven't had a good season whatsoever. They have had some more kind of encouraging results of late and yet to be beaten at home uh, this season so far. So they'll take on the Crusaders. Crusaders without their captain who did some dodgy elbowing to the facial areas last week. So Whitelock has been, uh, Sam Whitelock has been suspended for two weeks. Bulls vs. Crusaders, quarter past five. Look through Crusaders to win that one by about 13 to 15. And then finally, the Hagawadeth. They will take on the Sunwolves at 20 to midnight South African time on Saturday night. And the Sunwolves, well, obviously don't have a hope in hell of winning that one. But will it be tight? Who knows? These Jaguars are up and down. But at home, they have got a lot, quite a lot of momentum going. So look for them to win that one. Going to say by about 23. Yeah, so Super Rugby... You know, we keep getting closer and closer to the sort of international break. Of course, SA will be taking on France. Next week, we'll be tackling the whole um, SA rugby captain question. I know I, I told you we're going to do it this week, but there's just so much other stuff we need to focus on. We have enough. We need to give this this topic a fair amount of time because I think there's many, many factors we need to consider. And of course, getting closer to that June window, uh, less than a month away now, we need to kind of just factor in a couple of other things as well. So we've got that to look forward to next week. Um, and of course, the British and Irish Lions tour, that's also going to be happening. So they'll be going down to New Zealand and New Zealand might be without Kieran Reid. He broke his finger last week. He, of course, is the inspirational captain now that Richie McCaw has moved on. And uh, even though I mean, they've got huge player depth, but you need someone in these really big occasions, you need players like Kieran Reid to hold it all together. So even though the New Zealand team, no matter probably who they put on the field, will be better than the Lions, um, big pressure situations, these guys aren't used to that, massive crowds, uh, it's very, very difficult. It becomes a slightly different game. So these amazing audacious offloads and uh, all that kind of fancy stuff, well, one of those things goes wrong you leak seven points and then there's big pressure on you. So that is going to be hugely exciting. More about that as we get closer to the time. That's pretty much all the time we have for this week. I was kind of flowing by it. Go on to the bounce.co.za. We've got lots of great stories for you this week. And as I was saying, going to be adding some great new content in the coming weeks. This week's also the Arnold Classic. I'll be going to the press conference on Friday. So I hope to get some nice things for you there from that. Otherwise, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> follow me on Twitter at follow the bounce. If you want to discuss anything over the weekend sports wise. And, uh, otherwise catch me Monday to Friday right here on clipcentral.com uh, about 6.30 SA time where I give you your daily sporting recaps on the Gareth Cliff show, which is a great morning show with Gareth Cliff, who is hugely famous and talented and, um, been doing radio forever and ever. Okay. Um, Pelissa, I think I need your help. Pelissa, of course, is the producer. And I've just pressed a button here in the studio, which is not looking very good. Ah, crap. So that's where we're going to end it. Uh, Thanks for joining me this week. Catch you back next week with more of The Bounce Show. Anything, any suggestions, uh, feel free 
to email me, ben at the bounce.co.za. Yeah. Catch you next week. Cliffcentral.com.